Are there any ladies in the house, in any of our campuses? Uh, ladies, I don't know what y'all trying to start in this church. But I got people telling me, hey, I think we just need to do it in Jerry's world next time. Hey, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. <laughs> ah. Will you help me shout out or especially, first of all, our Garland Campus woman who did a great job helping us facilitate it. Come on, everybody. Come on. And then can I hear it for all the ladies in the house who were just ministered to, blessed, supported, encouraged, restored. Come on, ladies. Come on. I'm proud of y'all. I'm really proud of y'all. Great job. Great job. Great job. Um, uh, I need to bless somebody because y'all love y'all's little merch. I was in my office looking down, and it was like it was Big T Bazaar. Y'all don't know what that is, huh? Y'all only, only shop at Whole Foods now. Uh, uh, but it was like, it was everybody everywhere. They try to hold y'all back. Y'all be like, move, I need my stuff. I need my stuff. And then if one wasn't enough. So, anyways, I need a woman of God that, uh, that didn't get to go for good reason. I don't even want to hear your reason. Whatever campus you are, at least one person, whatever campus, they need to get you one, okay? This is, this is an audible, and we did not prepare for this. It just came to my spirit, so I want to bless. Nobody just run up here again, okay? Don't run up here. <laughs> Talking about the Holy Ghost led me to come up, Pastor. The Holy Ghost led me. But they have, for real, y'all, y'all are, yeah, if you saw the box, I said nobody should come up here. But here you go, woman of God. Here you go, here you go. You get rewarded for disobedience today. You get rewarded for disobedience. We don't, right. Oh, I'm going to talk about y'all today. I'm going to talk about y'all today. Anyways, hey, uh, whatever campus you join us at, uh, if they don't have any merch over there, we're going to get some, but everybody just pick somebody, and then we'll bless y'all with the merch, all right? Now, fellas, don't be trying to get the girls' stuff, all right? Leave the ladies. They have merch. We're going to get our own merch. We need whoever did it for the woman to do it for the men, because we ain't that good. <laughs> Good. Anyways, uh, thanks for being here, whatever church you're joining us from. Uh, thank you to our global campus, wherever you're joining us from. It is a delight and a joy. If you miss the conference, ladies, wherever you're watching us from, you just don't want to miss it. And, uh, and those of you who are mad because you couldn't get to come, well, we sold out two weeks before. That's why next year, January, when we start, you need to register, okay? Praise the Lord. Uh, but I do need you to pray for us because I don't know where we're going to do it next time. I don't. I really don't. So y'all creating problems for us, but um, we'll figure it out, all right? We'll figure it out. Um, I do got a word for you today, so let's pray. You got two weeks to shout, and you got two weeks. By the way, didn't Jada do a good job last week, last week, last week? Oh, my God. For real. So, you know, whenever I'm not at church, I, I do, I do a three-mile walk. So I'm doing my three-mile walk, and I'm listening to the, I think it was the second service, and I'm like, she is anointed. She had me laughing, then she had me saying, ow, then she had me say, hmm, am I anxious about something? I thought you did an incredible job. I was saying, we've got to, wow. 
uh, all our communicators, whether on Wednesday night for the men or for the woman, anybody that we bring up here, they'll be, uh, they'll be gifted in the ability to communicate God's word. So thank you for trusting us with that. All right, let's get to work. Um, Father, thank you for today. Uh, will you guide us now and will you prepare our hearts for what you have prepared for us on today? Thank you for this opportunity to remind us of who you are and who your church is. Make it clear as we define afresh this idea of who is, who is one community church and who do we worship. Help us to, um, help us to be clear on who we are and who we're not. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Uh, why don't you stand with me? Uh, you haven't stood for a while, so stand with me. And let's read John chapter 17. It's where the name of our church comes from. It's where the vision of our church comes from. And so let's pick it up in John 19. John, an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. He picks it up in verse number 20. Can you go back to verse 20, please? <clears throat> verse number 20, and let's start here. Everybody read with me, please. If you're new here, we're just trying to remind you of who we are. If you, came, if you were out of state and you moved here and you know a part of our church, we just want to, we want to define for you who we are and who we're not. Okay? That's very important. Because when you see a different worship leader up here every week, it's because we're trying to reach different people, just like heaven is going to have different worship leaders, okay? There's not going to be a black section where you just worship as a black, as a group of... Amen. Amen. I know some of y'all, some of y'all theology think there's just a, there's a black heaven. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> Whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, all are precious in his sight. Uh, the reason I need to define this for you today is because there's coming an election in a couple of days, and uh, some of you don't like some other people who vote differently from you, and I need to remind you of who God's called us to be as a church. There's some of you that don't like the fact that we focus on the next generation. I need to remind you of who we are, and I need to remind you of what Jesus Christ has done. There's some of you who don't like the fact that um, I don't preach every week. And I'm like, that's a blessing. You don't even know it. You're missing a blessing. Um, uh, but some will remind you of who we are. There's some of you who think you're stars, and you're superstars, and you don't do certain things, and you don't pay for certain things. because you're. There's some of you who think you should have reserved seats. Ah, let, 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 me, let me walk down your avenue real quick before we even go to the scriptures. There's some of you who think when, 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 when it's five minutes till the end, you should walk out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, we're going to talk about you today. We're going to talk about you today. Woo! Preach, Pastor Conway. Preach! Let's, <laughs> let's read the word. Hey, Garland, how you doing? Hey, Prosper, how you doing? Hey, Lou. Hey, Dallas. Hey, Dallas, I just love y'all in Dallas. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Here we go. Let's read. I, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those so who believe in me through. This is Jesus' prayer. He's praying to his father. And he's saying, Father, what I'm about to ask you, I'm not just asking you for the disciples that are in front of me. I'm also asking for every last person who will ever believe in me, which includes me and you. That puts us in the room. Now he's getting ready to pray something. Everybody pray for your own prayers, for you, for yourself. But nobody ever asks, God, do you want us to pray for you? 
He has a question and he has a prayer that he's going to ask his father. And we are the answer to that prayer. And we can answer it. Here we go. Next verse. Here we go. Everybody read with me. That they may all be. Stop right there. That they may all be. That they may all be. Not two, not three, not four, but one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you. In other words, he says the number one evangelistic tool that any church has is unity. The number one evangelistic tool. You can talk to everybody you want. All you got to do is show people that even though they're two different political parties, even though we think differently in the body, in the body we won't let anything divide us. So just because I think and I vote Republican and just because somebody else thinks and vote Democrat or just because I vote Democrat, somebody, that does not mean that when we come in the body that kingdom is not more important than parties. He says the only way you can be one, as you and I are one, is if you're selfless, is if you're self-sacrificing and self-giving. That's what the Trinity does. And he says, I want, Father, if you don't mind, will you help them have the same kind of selflessness that, that adorns the Trinity? Can you allow that to be the body, my body of Christ? That means there's things that shouldn't divide us. And he says you must fight against it with everything you have. Next verse. Here's what he says next. He says, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be just as we are. He says, everything you need to be one, so that stuff outside the church or stuff inside the church don't divide you, I've given it to you. You already have it. And he says, God, will you, will you help them to see how, how, how incredible this is if they ever come together and not be like the rest of the world? Next verse. He says, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Stop right there. Why is unity so important? Because the more united you are, the more you're like God. And guess who hates anything that's one? The devil. That's why he hates marriages. That's why he hates the church. Because both of those are supposed to look like God. It's supposed to point us all to God. It's supposed to be a, a physical illustration of who God is. But when the church gets divided, now the enemy says, I told you it wouldn't work. When a marriage gets divided, the enemy says, I told you it wouldn't work. So now he gets to tell the father, see, it ain't going to work because they love me, which is ourselves, more than they love you. Next verse. Last one. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. God says, listen, 
He says, I need you to show the world what I look like. You are my physical demonstration of the oneness in the Godhead. And one community, he says, I want you to model that. So even when you get ticked off, mad, frustrated, uh, spiritually, can you say this word, uh, Pastor Z? Um, you probably can. Uh, uh, spiritually frustrated, that's not the word I wanted to use. He says, when you get there, you must still surrender yourself and figure out how we're going to talk to each other and make it work. Father, will you teach us to do that in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated. For a short while today, I want to remind you of who we are. I want to remind you of what we are a part of. This, this unique, this special thing called the body of Christ, called the church. Because for far too long, we have allowed it to simply be something where we come in and consume and consume and consume, and we have forgotten what God has asked us to steward. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this thing called the church is so unique that it baffled the early, the early uh, church. It baffled uh, uh, the followers of Jesus. It baffled the Roman Empire. It baffled everyone. I want to show you what historic, historically has happened to the church over the years. It started because one man decided that he would predict his death, and then predict his resurrection. And then he pulled it off. And he died, and then on the third day he rose again. Never happened in human history, and now it did, and he continues to live, and he continues to reign. It is the one thing that if they take away from us, then we can pack it all up and walk out of here. Because it's the one thing nobody can deconstruct. Whenever you come up with a faith, you need to make sure you're giving the next generation the faith that cannot be deconstructed. Everybody want to deconstruct the faith now, but it's because we gave them a faith that can be deconstructed. Let me explain what I mean. So many of you say, hey man, how do you know Jesus went to the cross, and how do you know that he died? And your answer would be, because the, say it with me, because the Bible tells me so. So let me ask you a question. Before there was a Bible, what did those Christians say? Before there was a Bible, what did the, there, 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 there are thousands, millions of Christians that lived without the written word like we have it today, and yet still their faith grew and grew and grew, and their trust in God grew and grew and grew, and they were radical. The Bible actually says that they turned the world upside down, but not just the Bible. The historians told us that they turned the world upside down. So then, so then when you're getting ready to tell somebody about Jesus, you don't just have to tell them about the Bible. Here's what you can tell them. You can say, here's why I believe in Jesus. Because of one event. That event was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And nobody has ever denied that it ever took place because there are so many eyewitnesses. The reason you believe what you believe is not just because the Bible tells you so, even though the Bible is correct, even though the Bible is inerrant, even though all of that is true, but I don't have to go back to the Bible to prove why I believe what I believe. Therefore, when you give the next generation of faith linked, anchored into the resurrection, now what is there to deconstruct? Because every historian agreed that it happened. Therefore, when you're going to be a part of something special, you now have to figure out, okay, so... so so why is this thing called the church so important? Let me read what some historians had to say. 
go through a little history lesson today. Here's the first one. <clears throat> Watch the language they use. The first one said, hey, how did a first century cult, everybody say cult, because that's what they were called. How did a first century cult burst in the armpit of the Roman Empire whose leader was rejected, that's Jesus, by his own people and crucified, survive and thrive in the face of violent, organized, state-funded resistance? How did this little cult survive the great Roman Empire? How did he do it? You ever wrestled with that? How did they get through? They wanted to take them all out. Actually, they killed many of them. Actually, they stoned many of them. And yet still, they were resolute and resilient with their faith and their trust in that one event called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You get to be a part of that. All this is is an extension. It's now your turn to steward this thing called the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And they survived it, and the text is going to tell you later on, that they turned it upside down. Well, what do all the historians say? Karen Armstrong, no, 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 go back to Karen Armstrong. Karen says, against all odds, by the third century, Christianity had become, listen, a force to be reckoned with. We still do not really understand how this came about. We still don't figure it out. We still can't figure it out. How did this happen when everything was against them? Here's what God says. Here's what Jesus said. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, that word Hades really means uh, the gates of death, will not prevail against it. In other words, hey, Peter, you're going to come and you're going to go. Church going to still go on. Hey, Paul, you're going to come and you're going to go. The church going to still go on. Hey, Caesar, you're going to be here. You're going to be gone. The church still going to go on. Hey, 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 Bishop Jakes, you're going to be here. You're going to be gone. The church going to still go on. Hey, 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 Mother Teresa, you're going to be here, and you're going to be gone, and the church going to still going to be here. Here's why. Because God says, I will build my church, and ain't nothing stopping what I'm doing. The reason you don't focus so much on what the political parties are doing is because God says they're going to only be a footnote. You're not going to remember uh, Obama. You're not going to remember uh, uh, Trump. You're not going to remember Hillary. You're not going to remember any Biden. You're not going to remember any of them. All you're going to know is one name because that name is above all names, and his name is Jesus. Come on, let's get on history lane a little more. Let me show you what you're a part of because oftentimes we miss what we're a part of. Next one, here's what it says. Here's what Bart says. Bart says, listen to this. It was a revolution that affected government practices, legislation, art, literature, music, philosophy, and on the even more fundamental level, the very understanding of billions of people about what it means to be human. Let me help you out now. You must ask yourself sometimes, why is it that when Russia eight or nine months ago invaded Ukraine, why is it that there was such a collective, you're not supposed to do that? Why is it that everybody had this, 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 this sense of, that's just wrong? You must ask yourself, where did that come from? This moral conscience. 
Where did that come from? Because in the past, people didn't care. If you know history, they did, I mean, just take what you want. You have a bigger army, better army, just take what you want. Just do what you want. You want to be the most powerful, just take their land, do what you want to do. It's okay. Where did this, where did this conscience come from? You ask historians, they'll say it's because of these billions of people that was infected and affected by the thinking and thoughts of Jesus Christ. That who said, I'm here to turn everything upside down. You thought you wanted to be the greatest, then you got to be the chief servant. And he gave humanity dignity about them. And because of those thoughts, it still permeates our culture today. Where's it coming from? That don't just come from, oh, let's just do good. No, that's not what they used to do. They used to slaughter each other and not care one rip. And all of a sudden, there's this moral conscience. Where do you think that comes from? Why do you think China will struggle to be a superpower? Because there's not this moral conscience of right and wrong that matters. Where did that come from? That come from a thing that you're a part of, but sometimes we forget and we put it on the little periphery and just make church be something that you do at your convenience. Not realizing that we're supposed to be the moral fabric of the society. And when, when, when they relegate us to a, a voting block, let's go after these Christians because there's a lot of them and, and we need to just divide them and tell them why the other one's wrong and the other one is right. We, you know, here's what we need. We need, we, need, we need to just relegate them to a voting. You think that's why Jesus died? To be relegated to a voting block that politicians come by every two years when they want our votes? It's so much more than that. But we have, we have allowed the culture to define who we are. It continues. Watch it now. Here's what the historians have to say. However one evaluates it, no matter if you're, if you're saved, you're not saved, you're, you're rich, you're poor, you're, 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 uh, you're Republican, you're Democrat. However one evaluates history, the merits of the case, of the case. No one can deny it was the most monumental cultural transformation our world has ever seen. This is what you now have the responsibility to steward. The disciples did their part. What I want to know is, is there anybody that's going to take up the mantle and say, we will lend it and we will pass it on better than we got it? Or are we only going to just allow it to be something where we come when it's convenient to us? That's because we see it all as a movie theater. We come to church and it's just like a movie. That's what we do in our culture. We go to be entertained. And so we come and we sit down and we enjoy it and we say, give it to me, Pastor. Yeah, tell me. I want it here. Let me stand up a couple times and clap you because that's what this is all about. Entertain me. Hold on. Let me get some popcorn real quick. Hold on because I need to bring my little coffee in church. So let me get some popcorn and let me just do my thing. Oh, Lord. Tell me about it. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, I like this one. Oh, no, I don't like that one. Don't, don't bring that one back. Because after all, it's all about me. After all, it's all about my kids. After all, it's all about my grandkids. After all, it's all about uh, my marriage. After all, it's all about me being single. <coughs> 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 I'm faking, I'm faking. I'm, there is something there, but I'm, I'm extra. 
You see what I mean? Y'all love entertainment. Anyways. Ah! So, <laughs> it's the reason why I'm good. You know, the church and mama always here talking about <laughs> we good. Listen, there's still something in the throat, but I'm going to drink some water in a minute. <coughs> Hey, remind me not to do this. <coughs> Next service. <coughs> the first lesson parents teach their kids. Don't eat and talk. Praise the Lord. Hold on. I'm going to get there. I'm Garland. Hold on, Prosper. I'm just getting something to eat. Now push it down. No, 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 I don't want that. I want a little piece of that. Yeah. <clears throat> this never happened. This usually happened on Saturday nights, y'all. Not on Sunday mornings. <clears throat> All right, I'm good. Here you go. Thanks. <clears throat> this has never happened before. Lord have mercy. Look at all the nurses helping me. Thanks, nurses. <laughs> The devil is a liar. <clears throat> the devil is a liar. Praise the Lord, I'm good. If it happens again, we're going to drink some more water, but we're staying away from the popcorn. In the name of Jesus. Um, one of the dangers is that sometimes we can make church be all about us. When you, when you come to church, and all you care about, hold on, I'm sorry, something else happened, the devil is at work today. Somebody just got, don't, don't turn around, but somebody just got um, wheeled out of church. Let's pray for a moment. Yes. <coughs> um, Father God, whoever that is, um, will you help the, the nurses and the doctors to provide healing? Yes, God. <clears throat> but supernaturally, God. You are the great healer. Yes, so will you do whatever it takes to restore the person so that they can be returned to good health? Give the family peace. And may you and your angels go to work in Jesus' name. Come on, give it up for God. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Um, so you got to be careful because when you come to church, it's not just a movie theater. It's not a movie theater. It's the house of God. Which therefore means when you decide that at the most important moment in the service, the last five minutes, that you have had enough, and that you're ready to go, what you're saying is, God, whatever you want to do is not as important as what I want to do, so I'm going to leave, even though you might be ministering to somebody, and that might be the first time they've ever heard the gospel, and now they hear it, they want to, they want to respond, but then the person in front of them or behind them is now getting up and move, so it must not be that important because they don't consider God's house that important. It used to frustrate me, but it can't because I've never taught you better. 
So no, you don't leave the last five minutes because that's the most important part of the church where God gets to do his work. And if you can inconvenience yourself as a mature believer to wait for God to move, but you want to be, let me be first to the nursery, let me be first to the kids, let me be first to the parking lot, and you mess up what Almighty God is doing. How dare, how dare, how dare you interrupt what a great God is doing. So be careful, fam. Don't mess up what God is doing. It's the most important part of church. No, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> and don't look at nobody crazy if they have to get up because it might be duty calls. So don't, don't be all judgmental now. But as far as you can, you don't walk out when we're given an invitation. That is, that is disrespectful to your heavenly father. We're not a movie theater. Now, let me get in trouble. This one really going to get me in trouble. <clears throat> Praise God, nobody in here, I think, like that today. I, I, I love babies. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Whenever I come down the steps, I need to get more pastoral. <clears throat> so let me come all the way down. Now listen, I know that your baby is so beautiful and so special. I really do. <clears throat> I know that you have gotten used to crying. And you're so used to it, you don't think your baby is even crying when they're yelling. But, but I get it. It's because that's the world you're in. So you don't even realize it anymore. <clears throat> but if you don't have kids that are young, that cry all the time. Oh, you hear it. I know you don't hear it. But the rest of us do. So all I'm trying to suggest is, we're not going to do what other, some churches do, which is, if you have a baby, you can't come into church. That's, that's a little excessive. Come on now. Let the, the parents responsible. Let them do their thing. But let me remind you something. Don't allow the enemy to use your child to disrupt what God's trying to do. Because he will use anything. This is not a disrespect. We get it. We want you to come in church. And we want, if the baby cries, that's fine. If he cries a little bit, that's fine. But not four, five, six, seven, eight minutes. No, it's your turn to go outside and say, hey, it's going to be okay, Raylo. Raylo, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. <clears throat> no, for real. I'm not trying to, somebody's going to get mad and say they hate this church and everything. I, I get it. But I'm just telling you, I don't want the enemy to use you or your kid. To mess up what God's trying to do. So it's just, it's just, it's just, I get it. I get it. I really, really do get it. That we don't hear it anymore when you got kids. We don't. And because we don't, <clears throat> you will think that nobody does, but they do. If I, whenever I start talking louder, it's because I'm trying to compete with a baby. I shouldn't have to do that. And again, it's no problem for one, for a minute. Okay, you're trying to comfort the baby. So that's fine. But not when it goes for 10 minutes. Not when it goes for the whole sermon. Can I get a witness, somebody? Amen. <clears throat> All the mothers are like, mm -mm, let a baby cry, let a baby cry, let a baby cry. Le release the baby, release the baby. <clears throat> I'm just trying to help you all. I promise you I'm just trying to help. All right, let's see if we can get there. Okay, now. What makes us unique? I want you to look, and I constructed something here that I want you to be very, very aware of. 
The temptation for churches is to live in the lower room and not the upper room. Remember when Jesus, from about John 13 through about 17 or so, Jesus is hanging out with his men where? In the upper room. And this is his men that's going to turn the world upside down. Here's what we have allowed church to become. We have prioritized the place. We have prioritized um, the personality. We have made a priority, the programs and the people. Let me show you what it sounds like. Look in your notes. Here's what it sounds like. Let's pick it up for me. It sounds like this. Many people come to church because of these reasons. Number one, because it's a place. It's a new building, and it's close to where we live. Ooh, we love it because it's close. Oh, my gosh. Because it's all about you. The next one is, we love it because of the person. Oh, Pastor John is such a good teacher. Oh, my gosh, I love him. He's such a pastor, Pastor John. And so you make it all about the pastor. Lower room churches. Next one. Next you make it about the program. Oh, my gosh, Emma and Aiden, they really love going to wonderful kids. And so they just have such a great time, my wonderful kids. I just could not imagine them being anywhere. And so your whole priority for coming is because of your kids. As if God hasn't asked you to be a part of something so much greater than just you and your kids. As if he hasn't asked us to be the moral compass of the whole society. The ones that reminds and models for people how to be the chief servant of all. The ones that reminds people that I will allow you to go before me. The ones that reminds people that says simply, I want to hear your point of view before you hear my point of view. That's all based on Christ-like thoughts. But we've relegated it to lower room churches. Last one. Then the people, oh my gosh, it's the church our friends Joe and Sally go to. And so I just love where Joe and Sally goes. I want to go wherever Joe and Sally goes because I love Joe and Sally. (laughs) And you make every reason you come to church for you and for me. Because it's all based on convenience. That's not what this thing called the church was built on. It was not in any way built on convenience. It was built on one event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that you now have people that are in darkness that can see the light because it was turned on because they accepted Christ and their entire lives were different because of it. It's not just about you. And so we as a church have to move to the, to, the, to the upper room where now we are living on purpose, where now we find the church's unique call, and now we're discipling people because it is the great commandment and the great commission that we're called to. Um, Draymond Green, whether you like basketball or not, whether you like the Warriors or not, <clears throat> Draymond uh, said something really significant. He says a lot of foolish things. But... The statement I'm about to tell you what he said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to him. <clears throat> I don't even know if he's saved, but anyways. Um, I'm going to tell you. Here's what he said. They were asked, a reporter put a microphone in his face and said, hey, 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 hey. Why, how come you all keep winning championships? And how come you all don't, don't, don't ever just go your own separate ways? How, how do you do that so often? How, you, I, don't see, I don't see Steph saying, well, I'm going to take my skills and go somewhere else. I don't see Draymond saying, I don't, on the whole team. And, and, and Draymond said, well... <clears throat> You see, um, when you win the first championship, 
It's really incredible. You get this euphoria that you never dreamt you could ever have. It's just wonderful. Then he says, but it can never be the same like the first one. He says, so now the team has resolved that when we play, we don't play anymore for ourselves. But what we now do is we play and look at the championship through the eyes of the new guys on the team that's never won a championship before because we get to relive our euphoric experience through the new people that has joined the team. Now, here's what that means to you. It's the same thing that you have. Well, 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 why you don't just leave? Why you don't just do something else? Why you don't just give up on Christianity? No, 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 no. Because of all that Jesus has done for me. Because of what he has done. But what is even better is when I bring one of my friends that are lost and they come to church and then their eyes get open and I see the joy of the Lord in them and I see their marriage get better and I see their finances get better and I see their lifestyle gets better. No, that brings me the greatest joy. So if you are frustrated with a church, the last church you should be at, or this one, let me tell you why you're frustrated. Because you've forgotten that it's not about you. It's about lost people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's about the church being the moral compass for people. You got to remember, see it. That's why you should send me, you should send me um, emails, not too many of them, but you should send me them when you take the risk to bring a friend to come to church and the, and the, and the praise and worship leader was off key today and, and, and the preacher went too long and, 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 and Pastor Matt tried to dance and, and, and you, 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 need to, you need to tell me and say, hey, 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 I risked it all to invite my friend here and y'all messed it up. You better get this right next week because I'm going to tell them and I was a one-off. If you come back, it's going to be better. You should care deeply about how we represent Christ. Because your friends that you have invested in, that you are praying for every day, need to come to know him. And if we mess up the opportunity because of some foolishness, then we want to hear and we want to apologize because we want to say, you're right. You invited your friend and here we go. Acting a plum fool again. Which sometimes we get off the rails and we try to get it back. We do. Some of you will say, no, not sometimes. A lot of times. <laughs> Watch church history. Come on, let's go quickly. Watch church history through the years. Watch how the church has devolved. Watch it. Here we go. In the 40s and 60s, <clears throat> he's called us to be the hope of the world. But watch what happens. <clears throat> the church has focused on community service. Nothing wrong with community service by itself. But here is the sentiment behind it. We are the best church in town. Next one. 60s to the 80s. Full service church. Because now we went into all denominations. This was wartime. This is denominations. And so we're the best church in our denomination or in our tribe. Watch it. Now flip it. The 80s, 1980 to 2000. We want full service. What do you want? We'll serve up what you want. You want a, you want a grandkids ministry? Here's a grandkids ministry. You want a grandma's ministry? Here's a grandma's ministry. You want a, you want a men between 18 and 19 ministry? Here's the men between 18 and 19. You want the I need a boo ministry? Here's the I need a boo ministry. Somebody just said, hey, do we have one of those? Can, can you say... <laughs> Ah, 2000 to 2020, uh, it became the city 
service. Why? Because we want to be the best church for our city. But here's what it should be. Here's what it should be. 2020, the future church, what it will look like, it's called the vocational service. Listen to why. Listen to why. Because what's sad about churches, including this one, is that I get to fulfill my calling. I'm doing exactly what God's called me to do. But not every one of you can say that. And until every person at one community church can say, I am doing exactly what God has called me and left me here to do, then we got lots of work to do. And I know everybody can't say that right now. By the way, if you're, if you're saying you're walking in purpose, listen, and your purpose don't have kingdom ramifications, it ain't God's purpose. It's a purpose, all right, but it ain't God's purpose. If you're saying you're walking in, man, I'm so loaded now, I'm making so much. Look at God, bring it, 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 bring it. But God's kingdom ain't a significant part of that? Then you're living for your kingdom, not his. The only reason he don't zap you and take you up to heaven after he got saved is because he wants you to do work on his behalf, not just on your behalf. And we got too many people in this generation now talking about, yeah, I need to do my purpose. And your purpose only have to do with you making money. It has nothing to do with God's kingdom advancing. And if your gift is not the gift of giving, then making money alone cannot be your priority. I wish I had a witness in here. Somebody just got mad right there. Somebody just got mad. But I don't care. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. That's why our job, we can never settle. Until every person at every campus, at every city that you're in, your job is to discover, God, what have you left me on the planet to do? For your kingdom, not just for, not just for mine, for yours. If it's not linked to the greatest institution on the planet called the body of Christ, it has to be linked to that. Because if it isn't, we're simply building things that will burn and won't matter in eternity. That's where we're after. Upper room. Upper room church. Where does one community have to get to? We have to get to a place where that is what we're after. Every single person worshiping God in spirit and in truth, fulfilling their call that God has for their lives, and together we gather to worship him. If we're not doing that, I'm just telling you right now, then we're just a convenient driven church. I want to do what's convenient for me, what feels good for me and my kids and everybody else. And if that's what we are, then we can never be the moral fiber of the society and of the country. Which means, on your watch, when the stewardship of the church matters the most, Paul did his part, Mark, John did their part, Peter did their part. They steward the church, the body of Christ. Now it's your turn. And my question is, will you be the steward or will you pass it off to the next generation worse than you got it from the last one? And you're modeling it for your kids every single day. All right, let me show you what makes us unique. Turn the page over. Let me give you these 12 and then be done. There are 12 of them. That makes this church unique. Number one, I talked about already. Here it is. Number one says, we're not, a, we're not a place of entertainment, but we're a place where we engage with God and with others. That's who we are. That's who this church is. We're not, so, so don't let it fool you, ladies and gentlemen, when we, do, when we do lights and all. You know why we do all that? I've told you this. The only reason we do lights and all that is because it's what the world sees. So all we're trying to do is set up dates with God. That's all we're trying to do. 
When a person comes in, never been in church before, or never been in church like this before, and they come and we create an environment. The reason we create that environment is because we're trying to get to something that they might recognize so that when they come, they don't feel like they're, they've gone into another world. And once you get them there, now we're then trying to teach the word of God so that God can have a date with them. Because here's what I know. Whenever I have a date with God, I come up better every single time because he changes and transforms my heart. All we're trying to do, that's all we're trying to do, set up a date with God. So if you're concerned about, well, you don't need all that, you don't need all that. You don't. You don't need all that. But I'm not doing it for you with your religious self. I'm doing it for somebody who don't know Jesus. So that when they come, it's not so far-fetched that you wonder, what in the world did I come into? It's all a strategy. That's all it is. It's not for the person who has been saved. I'm not even going to say in church because a lot of people in church ain't saved. But the person that knows Jesus Christ. Then you know why we're doing what we're doing. We're trying to create environments where people who are far from God come and say, you know what? This ain't like the place I thought it was. So let me give it another thought. You know why, we, you know why I use props? Because everybody's looking at their cell phones. And they don't just want to be influenced by words. But they want to see some. And since I'm ADD and I want to see some then everybody else will be too. If you're ADD like me, put your hand up. Just wave your hand. Just wave your hand. Some of you don't even know. I'll help you diagnose your ADD. Should be talking about, I'm not claiming that over my life. I'm not claiming that over my life. I'm not claiming. It's okay. It's all right. If you've looked at your cell phone once, once in the sermon right now, you ADD too. Anyways, let's go. Number two. Let's go. To, I did number one already. Let's go to number two. Come on, quickly. Number two says, we're a church that propels people toward God's purpose. So we are. We're not here for you to watch me do what God's called me to do. I'm here to make sure you get to facilitate what God's called you to do. The days of you have a, a priest that you have to go through the priest to get to God, they're over, thanks to Martin Luther. They're over. Now the goal is you get to be, we get to be a kingdom of priests. All of us are priests. So therefore, uh, carry out your priestly duties. That's why somebody beside you and they're struggling in, in you see them emotional and crying. That's why your job, not my job, your job is to reach over and say, if you ever want to talk, let me know. I would consider it an honor to talk to you. Your job is just to provide some tissue for them and maybe see how they respond to you hugging them. Don't hug them though, but look out, read some cues. Read some cues. They might not like that. Uh, and, and, then, and then just let them know you're present with them. You don't even have to talk sometimes. Just be present. Don't wait for me. Oh, you pastor, this person needs you. No, no, they don't need me. They need you. You got the Holy Ghost inside of you too. You can minister to them just like me. You can pray for them just like me. They don't need somebody to intercede on their behalf. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. So you ask the Holy Spirit to help you minister to the person beside you so they can say, oh my God, I didn't even talk to the preacher. And the, one of the members just impacted me. A lady came, I was with our, our global team yesterday. Uh, all the ladies that came in from out of, out of the deal and we had dinner. And, um, and, and they were here yesterday. And and I'm talking to them, and one lady says, I was worshiping God, Pastor. And then this girl just came beside me and started hugging me. And all of a sudden, for the rest of the praise and worship, I don't know who she is. And all of the praise and worship, we hugged each other, and we praised God together. That's the body of Christ. That You don't need a professional to help you. The professional's job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, not to replace you and then do the work. 
Which is why we've always been known for having a, a volunteer culture where volunteers serve for the glory of God. And yet still since COVID, everybody's like, well, I'm not so sure because I got to make the money. Nothing wrong with making money. Everything wrong when you stop engaging in the body. Let me say it this way. How the toe, how the toe gonna say, hey, uh, I don't like y'all no more, I'm out. Toe, you can't, where you going, toe? You can't go nowhere. Hey, how the eye gonna say, I don't like helping y'all, I'm out. I'm just gonna shut down, I'm on strike. I ain't coming back. I'm watching on, on the screen all the time. I don't need to come back. How the eye gonna say that? You're still a part of the eye. You can't be out. You're still a part of the body. Once you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're part of the body. Therefore, let's be the body. Number three. Number three says, you know this, we're servants, we're not stars. There's no superstar in here. Just don't, just, if that's who you want to be, you want to be known, you want to be your pizzazz, you want to be your Louis V, you want to be your couture, you want to be your, yeah, these people don't get me, uh, they just don't get me. Okay, that's fine, you can wear it, you can do it. But if it's time to pick up some paper off the floor, then get your little Louis V bag, put it on the ground, pick up the paper, and walk. Somebody got offended by that, but it's okay. Because you're not called to be the star, you're called to be a servant. Your savior... Your Savior is a servant, and he declared that's why he came. So if you're going to follow him, you can be as fancy as you can be. You can drive the best car in town. You live in the best house. But when God called you to use that house for his glory, you better say, God is not mine, it's yours. Here you go. When God called you to, watch this now. When God called you to give that purse to somebody, it's not the devil, it's God. Just bless him with it. Just bless him. Bless him. Somebody black, like, I don't receive that word. <laughs> number four, come on, y'all. Number four, number four, number four. By the way, by the way, by the way, you really should, these passages associated with these are incredible. All right, number four. Ooh, we reject division and rally around mission. You can't accept, well, I only like 50% of what they do. The others I don't like. And whenever I hear someone talk about it, I'm going to say, well, I don't, I don't believe in all that. But I like this. I want to do this. You've just made yourself the, the priority in the relationship. All I'm trying to say is God wants us to be unified. That's why we read John 17. And he says it's our greatest witness in two. Therefore, whenever the, Holy, whenever the devil tries to use you to create division, one, we need to recognize division. And number two, you need to say, not on my watch, owner. Not on my watch, devil. Not on my watch. But, but I need you to know what it looks like. So therefore, this is not in your notes. I'm going to show you them. But there are four signs that you're being used by the enemy to create division. They're all in the Bible. Pick them up. Write them somewhere because you're going to see me. You'll see them at work too, but don't be calling them out at work because they don't believe, some of them don't believe in the Holy Ghost, okay? Number one, Absalom. Here's what Absalom says. Leave the leader alone and take the people. Remember what he did with David? David's up there and he said, oh, no, come to me, come to me, come to me. I'll give him my best advice. And then you don't need David anymore. Just come to me. That's what they do. That's what, that's what the Absalom spirit. These are, these are, these are Christians who the enemy influences them through their mind to take on a spirit that creates division. Number two, there are four of them. Number two is, is Korah. What does he do? He says, leave the people alone and replace the leader. What I'm going to do is I'm going to slowly gain influence 
and then replace the leader and make myself the leader. That's caused division. Let, let, let me show you what. So you're in the usher ministry. By the way, nobody told me anything. You're in the usher ministry and somebody trying to do this. And say, well, I just don't like the person who is the lead usher. I just think they mean and I just think they ain't good. And instead of talking to them, you just spread it to everybody else. And now you have division because you didn't want to deal with your issues. Number three, the Jezebel spirit. Lord have mercy. Nobody wants to be Jezebel, but many of us are Jezebel. Watch, watch what Jezebel does now. Let the leader and the people stay. Let him let say, here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to control the people by manipulating the leader. Let me manipulate the leader and he be the puppet so I can get done what I want to get done. And if I give enough money, let me threaten them that you, you don't want me to take my tithes. That's what's happened in church history through the years. The one that you don't know is number four. The ham spirit. Remember what ham did? Noah, by the way, the next series we're going to do is one called Uncertain. It's, it's dealing with transitions, endings, beginnings, and everything in between. That's the next series that starts in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a whole series on dealing with transitions, okay? One of the people we want to talk about is Noah, because Noah had done his greatest work. He built the ark. Everything was good. He saved some people, uh, uh, and, and God used them mightily, and then this, the, 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 the rain stopped. And he didn't know what to do. He didn't have no job. So now he wondered, what do I do with my life? And then he got drunk. And here's the ham spirit. Discredit or expose the leader to win the hearts of the people. That's what he did. Expose them to win the hearts of the people. That's the problem. But it happens all the times in churches. We just don't have a name for it. So my job it is to give you the name so you can call it out in Jesus' name. Number, what number are we at? Five? Number five, let's go. We are externally focused and internally focused at the same time. Please note the great commandment precedes the great commission. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. By this they'll know you're around your disciples, by your love for one another. That has to drive. Don't go tell nobody about Jesus when you, when you act in a plum fool in your relationships. You've got, to, you've got to figure out this love thing first. And to figure out the love thing, you've got to learn to love yourself. Because if you can't love yourself, then you can't love somebody else more than you love yourself because you don't even love yourself. That's why you can treat people cry-cry because you don't know how to love yourself. Then when you preach to somebody else, they'll be like, I don't want to be like you. So if that Jesus has you, I don't want to be you. So I don't need to know that Jesus. Which is why you've got to learn the great commandment first. Before you can get to the Great Commission. But this church is externally focused. We are focused on the external, but we're also focused. Some churches focus on external only. Some churches focus on internal. I believe the Bible teaches both. So we should make sure you're inviting somebody to church. You're inviting and sharing your faith with somebody. That should be normal in your life. And then when you come to church, you ought to be a self-feeder. When you leave today, you're going to get a, a whole gift from me, which is, which is teaching you how to be a self-feeder. Because what happens to most people is they go to church and then they listen to everybody. But you're always eating somebody else's food and not your own. So don't come and say, well, I just, I'm not getting fed anymore. No, you, you're supposed to feed yourself. Not everybody's supposed to feed you. No, you should come to church and you should get a word. But it cannot always be, give me what I want. You should be able to feed yourself by now. 
So we're going to be externally focused, winning people to Christ, and sometimes we're going to do stuff that's just for non-Christians. That's why when we had the couples event, somebody came up and said, Pastor, I can't believe you had a secular band in here. The reason is because it's a couples event. Let people dance up in here. It's okay. Because I want you to bring your non-Christian friends. I said, which they did. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then they got in a life group because finally they felt comfortable. And then now they got saved. And then now they're part of our church all because of a secular band making them feel comfortable. By the way, the person that was leading the band go to our church too. But um, they played secular music. But it's, it's not for you sometimes. Some of y'all like it too much. And some of you know all the words but don't know none of the hymns. But it's not for you. It's for folk who don't know Jesus. They ain't never been in a church before. Don't, 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 don't miss this. He resides in you. When we get together, he's in the building. When we all leave, this ain't where he is. He's in you. So don't get it messed up. Let's go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Next one. Here we go. Now watch this. This is where we're learning. First 14 years of this church, we're about seeding capacity. The next 14 were about sending capacity. Our sending capacity is more important than our seating capacity. How many people, we just hired 10 interns here, and one of the reasons we do it is because we want people to get to love Jesus and then get to be a part of the body, and then we want to send them out and go wherever God's calling you to go so that you can go be his representative. Listen to this. This is a sad stat. In 2020, more churches died than churches that were planted. If we're the moral fiber, if we are the conscience of our communities, then we have to have churches in every facet of this country and world so that the name of Jesus can be raised high and the values of Jesus can be raised high so men and women know that there is a moral ethic that we're after. Why are people mad when Russia invaded Ukraine? Because of what Jesus Christ started. Which is why we don't get to sit back on our watch. We get to be the church and be engaged in church. Next one. What number is this family? Seven. Seven. We're not spectators. We are students. We're not spectators. Don't come to church as a spectator. Don't come to church sitting back. There are two uh, postures that you have. As a, as a spectator, you sit back and you say, yeah, wash it over me. Entertain me. Let me know. This is your posture. You're kind of kicking it back like you and your lazy boy chilling. That's what spectators do. Too many people come to church like that. And, and, and too many of them come to church just to sit up. Let me see if I can get anything out of this today. Instead of being a student. You ever see a student here? The posture is different. You're now sitting up. You're now alert. You're now listening. You know God has a word for you, and you're dying to hear what he has for you. So you're dying to hear, what, what am I pulling? I need to pull something out of this. Every time you come to church, don't be concerned about who's preaching. Be concerned about the water God wants to give you for your own soul. And so you need to be sitting down saying, God, what is in this one for me? I'm trying to pull it down. I'm trying to pull it. Give it to me, God. Do you know that when, whenever you see rain clouds, do you know that rain actually doesn't fall? It's actually pulled to the ground. And the reason it's pulled is because it, 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 the, the, the gravitational pull on the earth pulls the water droplets out of the clouds onto the ground. 
What should we do? We should sit and we should say, God, give me, I'm dang, I'm trying to pull something out. What do you have just for me? What do you want me to do? What's my assignment this week? Just give me what I need this week so that I can go apply it for the glory of God. It's the posture of a student. We're not spectators. So you're a student and you're looking around you. Because sometimes you come to church and it don't have nothing to do with you. Sometimes you come to church because God wants you to minister to that whole row. And you see that whole row acting a plum fool. You say, oh no, not on my row. On my row, we worship God. So here we go. What we need to do, row? We need to have a little huddle, 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 huddle. You need to tell your row to huddle. Huddle, row, because here's what we're finna do. We're finna worship God today. So let's got a little prayer time before church. So, okay, everybody good? All right, we're gonna pray. We're gonna praise God. Our, our row need to lead worship this morning. And everybody around here said, What's your, are they all family? Yeah, we're part of the family of God. Listen, this is so important. It really is. Don't just be expected. The next one. We do more than just gather, we grow. We're no longer babies, y'all. We're really on. Quit the nonsense like you're a baby. You're no longer a baby. By this time, you ought to be getting milk, getting meat, but you're still on milk. By this time, Pastor Matt, where's my bag? Huh? Where? Oh, here. Good. By this time, <laughs> by this time, I tried that popcorn, I ain't going to drink this. I don't know what this is. But I need you to remember it. By this time, you're supposed to be eating meat. And you still talking about, well, I want to listen to my, my favorite preacher online. I want to listen to, yeah, I go to church six times on Sundays. That's because you need somebody else to chew the food up. Which is the state of your spirituality. It means you can't get fed by yourself. Somebody else has to do it to you. That's not something to be proud of. That's something to go back to your desk and study the word of God for yourself. You don't need six different people to give you food for you to forget. You need one thought a week to go absorb and apply. Not six in the name of Jesus. Now if that's you, come take this from me. Anybody like that? Anybody that don't want to listen to six messages a week, come take this. This is yours. I brought it just for you. I don't Take it after church. This is your altar call. Come take it. <laughs> Next one. By the way, nobody touch my milk. Um, come on, come on, come on. We make mistakes as we mature. This is so important. We make mistakes. Listen, there ain't no, if you think you all spiritual, then just go spend some time with Jesus. So therefore, we don't tolerate an excuse sin. That's why we excommunicate people. We've done it four times from this church. If you're in willful, intentional, uh, unconfessed, I don't care, I'm going to live Bakwa, then we need to tell you, okay, if nobody can talk to you, then you probably need to not come back for a while. And we'll check in on you later. Because you have to do that sometimes because people don't care. But when somebody is broken, when somebody is caught up, we walk with them in the well they're in. We do not shoot or broken. Listen to me. I need you to know. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you don't like the way we treat people and our staff or anybody else. Listen to me. We walk with broken people. We do not disown them at any level. And the only reason you disown them is because you don't know your own sinful life. Because you think like a Pharisee 
that you're so much better than the people who got caught up. But you're not. But for the grace of God, you would do the same thing. But I don't need the grace of God. You're doing the same thing in some other area. So don't be telling me we can't bring people who are same sex in here. Of course we can. Not that we agree with them. And if they want to change how we think, then we rebuke them in Jesus' name. But if they're struggling in their same sex, just like you're struggling since you're single to sleep with somebody else, then I'm going to love them just like I love you. Now hold on before you clap. Don't get it twisted. So if they come and they say, well, 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 do you believe like I believe? No, I don't believe like you believe. But if you love Jesus and you accept him and you're trying to work in that direction, then I can live with your temptations to go back. Don't think that changes overnight. Your lying don't change overnight. Your looking at porn don't change overnight. Your alcohol don't change overnight. Your weed smoking don't change overnight. Say Your arrogance don't change overnight. Your greed don't change overnight. The fact that you haven't tithed in a year don't change overnight. The fact that you haven't served don't change overnight. The fact that you're not loving those who hate you don't change overnight. Then why do you want everybody else's sin to change overnight? I got to go. I want to do something. I got to go. Next one, next one, next one, next one. Making the gospel known is our greatest, is our greatest goal. Well, how, how do you know? In the Old Testament, it was obedience. In the New Testament, it's love your neighbor as yourself. And so now you need to make, how do you make the gospel known? By loving people that are hard to love. How do you make the gospel known? By being ready to share your faith when God gives you the opportunity. How do you know when to share your faith? Because there are a couple knots that you need to be fully aware of when you're going to change your faith. The knot number one is you need to know when there is, when people are, you need to set yourself up. God, give me these buzzwords. Whenever I hear these buzzwords, I know you're asking me to talk. Knot number one. There's three knots. We're going to give you a keychain on this in two weeks. There are three knots when somebody's not in church. Telltale sign, God wants you to have a conversation. It is the will of God. Not in church. They say, yeah, I just don't like church. Good. No, you need to start a conversation. You don't need to invite them to church yet. Just start a conversation. God, use me. When they're not prepared for a season, they're not prepared for the transition that's happening. I don't have kids now, and so, therefore, I'm, I'm an empty nest. I'm becoming one. I, I, I'm not prepared for that. Great time to have a conversation. I'm not prepared because I lost a loved one. Great time to have a conversation. Whatever the knots are, great time to have. I just, got, I just got married. I just got kids. Great time to have a conversation because I'm genuinely not prepared. And last one is when things are not going well, the bottom has fallen out. God, please, as long as I hear those three knots, I'm ready to have a conversation because the gospel is what matters the most. Three knots. Tell me what they are real quick. Knot number one is? Not in church. Knot number two is not? Prepared. Not number three is not going well. Next one. Let's go. Let's land this plane. Let's get out of here. Next one. We believe in this discipleship is not optional. Everybody in this church should be discipled. The cell phones are discipling everybody. Everybody in this church needs to be discipled. Everybody. And so if you're not discipled, you need to call a men's ministry or a women's ministry and ask for somebody to disciple you. There's always a lane for it, but you have to ask for it. We offer everything else. You got to ask to be discipled. Next one. What number is this, everybody? Is this the last one? Yeah, it is. Uh, we're not a church with groups. We're a church of groups. It's not an option to be in a community group. 
Because we know we cannot become who God's calling us to be unless we're surrounded by a group of people that are trying to go in the same direction, and we must be in community with them. It's not an option. So if you've been, I don't, I don't do people, I don't do people, then you don't do Jesus. Because Jesus do people. Can I get a witness? So Jesus does people. So if you're going to be a part of this body of believers, I just need to know, this is who we are. We're not, we're not, we're not superstars. We're not isolated. We're not just gathering. We're growing. We're not just, well, let me just come to church and worship. No, we're going to be disciples. It's who we are. It's who God's called us to be. And if it's on your watch, you're going to do what the disciples did and turn the world upside down. Then you have to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. The church is not just another activity. It's the body of Christ that is the hope of the world. Lastly, I'm asking you and I'm pleading with you. Will you please give the church to the next generation better than you received it? Will you please, family? Stand with me. I'm going to sing a song, one last part of this song, then we're done. Jesus, why don't you play, gentlemen? We're ready to go. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. And then Jesus... You're the center of this church. And then we're done. Here we go. Jesus is at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the reminder that we're supposed to be the conscience of our community, the conscience of our culture. I pray that every office we go into, every Zoom call we get on, every interaction that we have this week and this year, that you will remind us of who the church is supposed to be. Will you teach us? Will you remind us? Will you inspire us to go out now into this dark world and to be the light that you've called us to be. I know we've made mistakes in the past. I know we've failed in the past. But God, we're recommitting ourselves to be the church. Your body in this dark world. Release us now to go be a blessing to as many people as we can. In Jesus' name we pray.